Brady Saar, and I'm a sales agronomist for CHS Ag Services, Erskine. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network, CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Thursday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Whitney Pittman along with Tyler Donaldson and back in the studio, Randy Conan. Today we have coverage from the International Crop Expo here at the Alaris Center in Grand Forks. CEO of Potatoes USA, Blair Richardson, uh, gave kind of a, a overview of markets here in the U.S. right now? Right now we're in a great position in terms of long-term demand trends. Uh, the demand for potatoes has been consistently growing for the past uh, decade and that's a great place to be. Uh, it's being, We're seeing in the data that uh, potatoes are continuing to be the number one uh, preferred vegetables in the United States. Um, this is both at restaurants and um, at grocery stores. Uh, consumers just love potatoes in every form and so that's a great position to be in. And you talked a little bit about how COVID did have a, a pretty big impact on, on demand there for a bit, and we're still kind of coming back from that. Describe that and, and what happened there. During COVID, there, there was a big shift in consumer spending dollars. Um, it was essentially when restaurants started shutting down, there were restrictions to being out in public. Uh, the, the dollars started going to through retail. Or, um, or wholesale where people were buying potatoes and then cooking them at home. So it was a great opportunity to teach uh, consumers how to use potatoes in different and innovative and fun ways um, during that period. I mean, as um, unfortunate as it was, it, we really were made a big gain in terms of um, appreciation for culinary skills for using potatoes. That has shifted since then. It's gone back to where it was before COVID. In fact, we're above um, that. We're spending many more dollars at food service now than we do at home um, for all foods. Um, and potatoes have an index slightly higher than the average. How are restaurants and, and food services role in potato demand changing? Well, I think in terms of change, uh, they're really focused more on Generation Z and, and the, that general region of, of generational change that's taking place there. That generation grew up with a lot more opportunities, a lot more um, just choices. And I think that when you grow up that way, you expect that. And and so restaurants are adapting to that. They're really changing their flavor profiles, their, their culinary um, kind of history that they're focusing on, where they're getting their ideas and innovations from. And it's not just um, Italian and Spanish and German. And, and traditional American cuisines. They're, they're looking all over the world for new and innovative um, recipes and, and flavors. And you talked a little bit about European markets, what's happening over there, and what shift we're maybe seeing from, from that space. Right, well, so the primary um, export competitor we have is from Northern Europe, so Netherlands, Belgium, France, Germany, um, that region. And we're, we're really seeing a constraint on their acreage where they just don't have any additional acreage to continue to grow as they have for the past 20 years uh, in terms of capacity. So they're, they're looking for new opportunities, and they're looking for opportunities around the world, also in the United States, where they're, they're considering putting in production facilities. I, I think this is reflective of the long-term um, global demand for potatoes that we're perceiving that's going to be about a 5% annual growth, which when you think about food, that's a very significant um, growth rate for anything that's established. Uh, it's not a new product. People know potatoes and know potatoes well, but um, as we're as we're looking at limited resources and ways to, to feed people, um, you know, potato fits right into every category. Thanks for joining us again. Blair Richardson, Potatoes USA CEO, joining us here on the Red River Farm Network from the International Crop Expo. Uh, let's turn it over to Tyler Donaldson.
Thanks, Whitney. I'm speaking with North Dakota Soybean Council Research Programs Coordinator Mickey Mihaguli. Mickey. North Dakota soybean production per acre is below the national average. What are some ways that we can close that gap here in North Dakota? There are some obvious reasons why we have relatively lower yields here in North Dakota compared to the rest of the United States. Um, one is extreme weather conditions. We have shorter growing conditions or shorter growing seasons, and we also have shorter growing seasons season varieties which tend to yield a little bit less compared to other parts of the United States and moisture is another determining factor. If we don't have enough moisture or precipitation timely when plant needs that, especially in August for soybean, that is the determining factor for yield. So we cannot control all the factors, but the factors that we can control are select good varieties that can outshine in your field, in your farm, testing out those varieties and finding which varieties are actually suitable in your farm is one major driving factor. Another one is finding best management practices, doing your own trials on farms so that you know what practices actually works on your farm in that specific field so that you don't leave the yield on the table as another factor as well. So the last one is also using a lot of innovative technologies and incorporating it into the production and if possible minimizing the cost of production also increases profitability and help farmers bottom line. A lot of the talk going on right now is about the new soybean crush facilities that are opening up. What sort of opportunities will the, those facilities provide for local soybean producers? Yeah, I think there are tremendous opportunities with um, having three crushing plants uh, potentially here in North Dakota in the near future. It creates huge opportunities in terms of being able to crush our soybeans here in the state. Currently, we ship about 90% um, of our soybeans uh, to South East Asia market as whole bean soybeans. So this is going to change with um, the availability of soybean crushing capacity here in North Dakota, which means if all those three crushing plants are fully online, we can increase our crushing capacity significantly and instead of shipping our soybeans as a whole bean, we are going to process those beans here in the state, separate the oil from the meal, from the hulls, and those products can be marketed differently to different customers, which is value-added opportunity for the farmers as well as the industry here in North Dakota. That was North Dakota Soybean Council Research Programs Coordinator Mickey Mihaguli reporting live from the International Crop Expo at the Alaris Center for the Red River Farm Network. I'm Tyler Donaldson. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Thursday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. The Minnesota House Ag Finance and Policy Committee hosting a two-day hearing studying nitrates in southeastern Minnesota. House Ag Committee Chair Samantha Vang outlines some options for agriculture. What the government is good at doing is, is uh, incentivizing behavior, right? We, we know we have research to back up how to best apply nitrogen. We know what are the best soil health practices. Um, I, I also uh, am 
excited to hear more farmers talking about regenerative ag, for example. And so we can uh, incentivize uh, farmers and make it easier for farmers to transition into uh, uh, better soil health practices. I think that's one of the ways that we could continue to um, uh, uh, make sure that every everyone's needs are met and that we're still hitting our goal, our, our goal of making sure that the wild quality uh, is is good and just clean drinking water. Vang expects to use southeastern Minnesota as a model to possibly to bring to other areas of the state. I think there are also other parts of uh, the state of Minnesota that are uh, also more at risk uh, of these uh, uh, nitrate levels. Um, so I, I think southeast Minnesota is is, is is an area that we can uh, look at and focus in more. Perhaps look at. Um, a pilot program there to see and where it could grow from there. So I think um, that's our starting place um, and whatever areas of the state that needs more support on nitrate stuff, um, we're happy to expand there. Minnesota Farmers Union members were in St. Paul lobbying this week. MFU Government Relations Director Stu Laurie says the group urged lawmakers to ease, ease the large animal veterinarian shortage in rural Minnesota. This is a um, second year of the biennium. It's not a budget year. Legislators are going to be less eager to spend new money, you know, right to repair and expand in um, the uh, licensure for veterinary technicians to allow them to practice under a, a licensed uh, veterinarian and ease that shortage of large animal vets is another, you know, no-cost item that we talk with legislators about and are eager for them to get done. And expanding right to repair remains a top priority. You know, Minnesota passed uh, the most comprehensive right to repair bill in the nation last session. Unfortunately, for Farmers Union and others uh, for whom this is a thorn in their side, it exempted agricultural equipment. And so, we're making a push this session to get uh, right to repair for agricultural equipment. Grains uh, trading lower here, giving back early gains. Midwest Market Solutions President Brian Hoops thinks traders are waiting for the March options and futures to go off the board. We're going to trade lower going into that uh, time period. Maybe we can see a rally afterwards. Usually do we go usually go lower into the deliveries, absorb some of them, and then rally and. And hopefully we can start turning our attention towards U.S. growing conditions and uh, and maybe we'll have some adversity there that can give us a rally or get the funds out of their selling mode and, and maybe even buy back some of their shorts. And fresh positive news seems to be lacking. It doesn't look like there's going to be much in the way of any other positive news on the horizon. We don't have a lot of, uh, you know, real positive uh, things to to rally on and that's why the funds continue to sell this market they just keep selling corn seemingly every day or any small rally attempts and uh you know we can really lose six seven cents a day uh much easier than what we can gain those those uh, markets back corn belt marketing market analyst sam hudson said the grain trade just continues its two-sided trading in light volume you know we just continue to see a theme where we get low volume bounces overnight, and then as soon as the day session starts, it seems like we have that natural seller just come right back into the market again. And with this March contracts going into delivery here at the end of the month, you know any longs that are still uh, in there via basis contracts or uh, just long futures in general are going to be forced out of the market here. So I think that's going to continue to keep a weight on things. Um, and really, we may have to get into you know spring acreage or even 
potential spring weather to really turn these markets around. Weekly Energy Information Administration report, which was delayed one day due to the President's Day holiday on Monday, shows ethanol production for the week ending February 16th, up 1,000 barrels per day from the previous week, sitting at 1.084 million barrels per day. Ethanol stocks are down 300,000 barrels to 25.5 million barrels. Reporting Agriculture's Business, you're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Good more afternoon. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. Hunter Pinky returned to North Dakota as keynote speaker for the International Crop Expo. After a skiing accident, left the UND football player and all-around athlete paralyzed from the chest down. Pinky has helped inspire others through his story of finding strength in the struggle. Being a North Dakota kid, this is pretty special for me to come back to North Dakota um, and speak to these people uh, that have given me so much. You know, like I said in my talk, I'll never be able to repay uh, what I've gotten from them. So to be able to give back and hopefully fill their cup a little bit uh, with some hope and, and give them maybe a different perspective than when they walked in. You know, my, my story focuses on, uh, on how you respond to struggle because struggle is in, inevitable. And how we respond to it um, really determines our path forward. The title of the talk was Strength and Struggle, and uh, I've been able to find strength through my struggle, but it takes a few choices along the way. And three keys lead to overcoming those obstacles. Or focus, reflect, and then relate. I think struggle makes you do that. Whether you know, you're struggling with paralysis, as in my situation, or you're struggling you know, through a family situation of death or, or illness or, or something on the farm, you know, drought. Um, it can be with anything, but struggle makes you do those. It makes you focus, it makes you reflect, and it makes you relate, but it's your choice on what you get to focus on. It's your choice what you get to reflect on. It's your choice what you get to relate with. When we choose to focus on the right things, when we choose to reflect on the right things and relate with the right people and the right things, man, you can find strength in that. Checking markets before we leave you this afternoon. March wheat, Minneapolis down seven and a half cents, six fifty-one and three quarters. Chicago March wheat's down a quarter penny at five eighty-three. Kansas City March wheat down four at five seventy-three and a quarter. March corn down four and a half, four oh six and three quarters. July corn down four and three quarters at four thirty-one. March soybeans down twelve and a quarter at eleven forty-eight and a half. May soybeans down eleven and three quarters, eleven fifty-three. March soy meal is down 630 a ton. The bean oil down 63 points. And in Winnipeg, March canola now unchanged at 574 even Canadian. April live cattle down $1.27 at 186.42. June's down 85 cents at 182.45. March feeder cattle 45 cents higher at 251.80. April's up 35 at 256.27. April lean hogs $1.20 higher at 87.17. This is the Red River Farm Network.